0: little interesting story. A Sunday school teacher was speaking to a group of four-year-olds about Jesus, Joseph, and Mary in the Christmas season. After the lesson, the kids were to draw a picture depicting their favorite part of the story. The teacher shared the pictures of the children which they drew with the entire class. She got the pictures of the baby Jesus in the manger with the animals. She got pictures of the three wise men and the like. And then she got a picture from little Jimmy, a picture of an airplane with four people in it. She called Jimmy up to explain his picture. She said, Jimmy, what? Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus in an airplane. And he said, well, they were on their flight to Egypt. And then she said, but I, I also, I don't understand. Why is there a, a fourth man on the plane? And Jimmy quickly explained, well, that's Pontius, the pilot. <laughs> it's amazing what, what perspective of Christmas People have, and over these next three weeks, my desire is to help us once again re engage in a biblical view of Christmas, to be able to once again connect with God's Word on what is known as the Advent season. The word Advent means coming or arrival. And Advent traditions celebrate the first Advent or the the birth of, of Christ. And the purpose of our Advent series in these coming weeks is to help us preserve the real meaning of Christmas. And I want to do this by keeping God's Word central to our Christmas season Advent is far more than simply marking 2,000-year-old event in history. It's, it's celebrating the truth about God and the revelation of God in Christ in all of creation and how we have been reconciled to God. That's what this Advent season is about. And and as followers of Christ, as disciples of Christ, I want us to once again grow in our appreciation of the Advent season. One of the the reasons I sent out a recent article to you on meekness was because I'm well aware at Christmas time when you're driving in traffic, you're at the mall, you're in lines. Uh, Meekness isn't necessarily the word that goes through your mind. Um, and, And especially if somebody uh, steals your parking space, which once happened to my wife. And my wife is one of the meekest people I know. And it was interesting to see her meekness dissipate on that day. Um, it's, it's just what can happen. And, and I want us to, to focus again, re engage over these passages that we'll look at over the next three weeks in Isaiah and in Luke. And in Matthew, and in each passage, it's written to help us see the real Christmas story in light of God's larger plan of salvation. And in looking to see, as, as, as we talk about the advent of Christ, this first advent, because this isn't the only advent. There is a, another advent, the advent of Christ's return. And so this This season of Advent, celebrating the birth of Jesus, is just a preparation for the advent of the return of Christ. A day when everything comes to be culminated. As we read about in Ephesians, that He'll bring all things into unity. He'll bring all things together when the fullness of time has come. And so, if you would turn to the chapter Turn to to chapter 9 of Isaiah and read along with me. And I'm going to be starting in verse 1 of chapter 9. Isaiah writes, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Father, thank you that Christ has come. Not one of us would be here today if Jesus had not come. If Jesus had not left his rightful place in heaven and agreed to enter into our sin-scarred world, we would not be here today. Lord, thank you for sending Jesus. And as we read this passage this morning, Lord, would you send your spirit to help us to see and to experience once again the joy of Christ coming. Help me, Lord, this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Sorry about sitting on the stool, but I'm obeying my wife. <laughs> I've got this great. Isaiah 9 is a very familiar passage to the Christmas story. It's from the book of Isaiah in 740 BC, which is the year King Uzziah died. A young man called Isaiah stood in Jerusalem temple and heard God calling him to be a prophet. You remember those words in Isaiah 6, one. in the year King Uzziah died, I stood before the Lord. Isaiah 1-1 gives us the background. Isaiah served as a prophet during the time of four different kings. Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. When Hezekiah died, the last of these kings, his son Manasseh began to reign. Manasseh was an extremely evil king who brought ruin to Israel. And under his reign, there were dark and turbulent times for the people of God. Manasseh imprisons Isaiah, eventually putting him to death. And he leads Judah and he leads Israel to idol worship. The nation rebels and rejects God. And the outcome of their turning away is God's judgment upon them. And God brings about his judgment by using both Babylon and Assyria to attack Israel. To put them under siege and to enslave them. And eventually the entire nation, for those who are alive because many were were put to the sword and died... To those who were alive, they were into exile. And it is under this banner of turbulent times and dark seasons and feeling the judgment of God, the rod of God's discipline upon this nation, that Isaiah speaks these words. But even in its darkest hour, Israel's not forgotten. Isaiah is a book not only of judgment, but forgiveness. It's not only a book of darkness, but of light. It's not only a book of despair, but of hope. And it's all revealed in one person as we read in this passage. Chapter 9, verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Things aren't much different for us as well in the seasons that we live in. It is dark. And the question that, that was here among these people is, in whom shall we hope? Where does our hope come? And Isaiah speaks these words, our hope is in the Lord. For us, a child is born to us, A son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders. The advent of the Messiah, the the coming of Christ, was the one glimmer of hope that these people had. The prophetic words of Isaiah 9 stand as a shining light. That's what Israel was hoping for. But they're also a shining light for us as well. The advent of Christ, the coming of Christ was hope for us. Hope, and there's two points this morning I want to make from this passage that I think we'll see about the advent, about the coming of Christ, is that hope is promised and hope is fulfilled. Hope is promised and hope is fulfilled. Look in, in verse 1 of, of chapter 9, hope being promised. Because the nation of Israel is lost. It, it's in great darkness because of sin. And the, the two-edged sword of God's Word is what we read about in past history is also true today. There is judgment and there is hope. That's the, the two-edged sword of God's word. And, and here is a nation that is lost. And we live in a world today that is lost. Spend two weeks with me as I'm recuperating and you're, you're going to be watching a lot of, of the National Geographic Channel and you're going to learn a lot about Alaskan state troopers. I told Marilyn the other night, I want to be a trooper. I want, I want to be an Alaskan. I mean, they, they get to carry shotguns and they, they, they fight against grizzlies and, and, also, and they see huge moose. and I mean, it's just it's a, an incredible world. But one of the things the Alaskan state troopers do a lot of, which is rather unique, is they find lost people. That is, every show someone has gotten lost in the Alaskan wilderness. They, they go off riding on their snowmobiles. They go off hiking. They're off hunting. And, and you'd think being in that wilderness, they'd know their way around, but, but conditions get bad. You get these whiteouts from these snowstorms and people get lost. And all these men are doing is finding lost people. But their lostness pales in comparison to those who were lost in Israel and those who are lost in our society today. Just as Isaiah's generation walked in darkness, so our generation is walking in darkness. And the hope that Isaiah is speaking to is hope for us as well. But there will be no gloom in verse 1 for her who was in anguish in the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. God's judgment had come, but in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan. Galilee of the nations. He's speaking about the Savior that's going to come from Galilee. He's, it's, a, it's a prophetic word. It's a, it's a veiled hope. And the, and the people who would hear this and read this, they... They have an idea that that a Savior is coming. They just don't know when. But Isaiah prophesies one is coming from Galilee. As Christians, the first advent is for us Jesus' incarnation. It's the beginning of the gospel and and the hope and the promise. Because without the incarnation, there is no gospel. And we understand the gospel to be the birth. In the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and the eventual return of Christ. And for us, the the first advent, the, the advent of Christ's incarnation, that's the beginning of the gospel. That's where all hope began. God coming to earth. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. That Brings us to John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. This prophetic word is coming to pass. Now understand, Isaiah never saw the fulfillment of his own words. 700 years would pass. 700 years would pass before Isaiah would see the fulfillment, but he wouldn't see it in his lifetime. And 700 years pass of a nation that is ravaged and turbulent and in dark times, and eventually a nation that continues to be enslaved over and over again. And yet these words stand for us today for to us a child is born to us a son is given hope promised is that the people in verse 2 who walked in darkness have seen a great light now that is that is speaking of new testament times where jesus enters the scene. He is born. He is is grown up. He is now walking the land and the light of the gospel has come. This hope promised is being fulfilled. But there is also hope fulfilled for us as we read in verse 6 that the end of Isaiah's promise of darkness seeing light is a child is born to us a son is given the government shall be upon his shoulders now we live in a day we live in a time where we are in the now and the not yet we we know the outcome of isaiah 9 the darkness And the gloom has been obviously the light has come in Christ. For us, to to us, a child is born, a son is given. That's Christ. We know that. We've seen the fulfillment of that. But what we've not seen the fulfillment of is the second advent. That Christ has not returned yet. And these words that we read about the government being on his shoulders, that he is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace. We've experienced that to some degree in our lives. We've experienced Christ being a wonderful counselor to us. He's given the Holy Spirit who will counsel us. That's the the wonderful fulfillment of this passage. He is a mighty God. We've experienced the power of God hearing Chris's testimony. That's an example of the power of God hearing Megan's testimony. What greater miracle is there than someone coming to faith in Christ? To seeing a human heart that was dead and ravaged by sin come to life in Christ. That is a mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. We live in a day as believers who have experienced the first advent because of that advent, that coming of Christ, that incarnation, that we have eternal life. We have a faith and a hope and a resolution that we are going to live eternally with God because the Son has been given to us. He has been born to us. We have everlasting life. And he is the Prince of Peace. And to us, as believers, that peace comes in being reconciled to God the Father. That we're no longer enemies of Christ. We're no longer enemies. On the outside looking in. We're no longer under the judgment of Christ. But we are at peace with God. For he himself is our peace, scripture says. But there is a second advent coming. That's what I love about this passage. It just doesn't leave us with the first advent. Now we're making our way. There's another advent in in verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. What time is that? That's heaven. That's heaven. Where the government and the rule and the reign of God will be forever. Forever. And that reign and that rule only goes larger and larger as eternity goes on and on. And this wonderful, of the increase of his government, yes, and of peace. Can you imagine the increase of peace? We have peace now with God through Jesus Christ. But there's a day where there is this increase of peace that is, goes on for infinity. <clears throat> I can't imagine that. No. A, a place where there is perfect peace. A place where there's no strife. Where there are no enemies. There's no war. There's no anguish. And a promise that God's rule and God's peace will never end. That's what the first advent means to us, that we await the second advent. <clears throat> and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, <clears throat> excuse me, David's throne has the eternal king on it in this passage. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. This second advent that has been prophesied for us because the first advent has come. Christ has come. As we enter this Christmas season and we celebrate the incarnation, as we celebrate the birth of Christ, as we celebrate the coming of our Savior, it's designed to position us to prepare us for the second advent. That when you are waking up on Christmas morning and you're giving thanks to God and you're reading the familiar passages, <clears throat> excuse me, out of Luke and out of Matthew, and you're, you're reading about Christ's coming And this child born in a manger. Look ahead. Look ahead to the second advent. Look ahead to a government that is increasing forever, a peace that is increasing forever, a Savior sitting on the throne of David who has established it in justice and righteousness forever. And there'll be no end. There'll be no end. When the when the day is over at Christmas time and the, the meals have been eaten and the wrapping has been thrown away and the, the toys are scattered about and the and the gifts have been given. I know for some at the end of a Christmas day it can be a letdown. But Isaiah's prophesying something different. He's saying there is no letdown. There is a waiting for a second Advent. There will be a day where there is peace. And and in in the brilliance of his prophecy, as God is speaking through Isaiah, these words end this section of the passage. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There is a promise. There is a commitment that this second advent is going happen this second advent will be fulfilled this promise of a government of of on and on of increase a a time of peace that increases with no end an establishment of of david's throne with jesus on the throne the zeal of the lord will do this you don't have to make it happen You don't have to worry if it's ever going to happen. The promise of the second advent is that it is going to happen. As we gather on Sunday mornings, which is a time for us to to worship God, to to bind together, to knit together, to, to be the family of God. And as we sing about the gloriousness of our Savior and the goodness of God, we're we're singing not of a stagnant time. We're singing of a hope to come. We're singing of a promise to be fulfilled. We're singing of a of a joy to a world that has no end. Brothers and sisters, this this passage that is so familiar for Christmas that that speaks of a a child being born, a son being given, the government resting upon his shoulders. No matter what turmoil you see in this day and age, no matter what corrupt government officials you experience in this day and age, no matter what you see at this time, there is a government that rests upon the shoulders of Christ. And ultimately he is ruling and reigning. He is the sovereign one. And the the rulership of God in our lives that we see in this church, that we experience in our personal relationship with God, that we are His own. that rulership is promised for a future for all of us. There will be a time when it never ends. So this morning, let us leave with the second Advent in mind. I'm excited about Christmas Day. I'm excited about the traditions we have as a family. I'm excited about the food that we eat and the gifts that we give and seeing the grandkids' eyes light up and, and just being with family. They're, I'm thankful that, that this first Advent, the incarnation of Christ, has, has created this opportunity for us. But I don't want to live there. I don't want to remain there. Because Christmas Day is just one day that we celebrate. I want us on the December 26th to be thinking about the second Advent. I want us to be excited about the second Advent. That he is coming back. That he is coming back for us personally. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to open our eyes, to open our ears to the gospel. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to not just become a man but to live a perfect life to die a horrific death to take our sin upon himself that we might be at peace with God that we might experience the mighty God in our lives that we might relate to this wonderful counselor that we might know the prince of peace and that we have peace But Lord, help us today as well to remember the second Advent, the return of Christ. Lord, what we live for, what we hope for, what we wait for. Lord, as we go today, I pray that each person here would experience your perfect peace.